0: And we were on the road with the Rough Riders. Joe Womack was our strength coach, and he was rooming with Ron Este. I'm coming down the elevator with Joe Womack, and he is. Man, he is so mad. And I'm like, what's wrong, Joe? And he goes, you wouldn't believe what estate did. He's in his underwear, and he emptied the mini box Smarties and the Kit Kats, thinking it's free, thinking it was a gift basket. And Joe looks at me, it ain't fun. This is the Rod Peterson Show. Hello, everybody. Happy holidays. Welcome to the RP Show and the first of some very special episodes This week, uh, it's RP here, as you can see, in the usual holiday environs, and that is sunny and beautiful South Florida. Darren Moose DuPont joins us from the beautiful Toronto, Ontario, Canada, and this is uh, what we've gotten used to. This is, I guess, our fifth, very hard to believe, Moose, our fifth holiday season of the RP Show. We do best ofs this time of year, and you came up to me uh what was it a couple weeks ago and you said we (laughs) we need to come up with some best of shows and producer clark said four long segments and i'm like oh my goodness how are we gonna fill that and then this this voice in my head said let's just do some Best of segments, top fives of all of our favorite leagues. So that's what we're going to do here over the next couple of days. Best of the NHL, best of the CFL, best of the NFL, top five. And uh, along, and then other leagues, Major League Baseball, Major Junior Hockey, NBA, some of the other leagues that we talk about. And our best of interviews, including this hour, include Ted Nolan, the former head coach of the Buffalo Sabres. So many people know his story. If you don't, you're going to when you watch this interview later on. And the head coach of the Calgary Flames' Ryan Husky came down and joined us at the Century Downs in Calgary uh, this summer. It was in August, just ahead of his maiden season as head coach of the Flames. So it was a great year. Folks, you're tuned in for that. and Are you ready to go, Darren, with the top five NHL stories of the year in our countdown? Yeah, I'm ready. I'm curious to see what
1: you're going to have for the top five.
0: Well, to be honest, I kind of let this out of the bag just before Christmas that we were going to do this. I have my top five stories, but there's an honorable mention. And it's Mike Babcock being named a head coach of the Columbus Blue Jackets. And for those that don't know, the inside on that, for fired head coach of the Leafs. He never did an interview at all with anybody after being fired by the Leafs for two and a half years until this very show. He came on to kind of tell his side of the Leafs story and then moved on, became the head coach of the U.S. Huskies. And then news broke in June. He is going to be the head coach of the Blue Jackets. They couldn't announce it until July 1st. That's when his Leafs contract ended. And then what did he, like, being paid for it. So I'm I'm adding an honorable mention is my point. I didn't have him in my top five, Mike Babcock in Columbus. And what did he last? A week? Players had a problem with him. I'm I'm being facetious. Maybe two weeks. You know, and Pascal Vincent takes over as the head coach of the Columbus Blue Jackets. You're going to see my top five in a minute. But with Mike Babcock being hired and then summarily fired before he even coached a game, be in your top five NHL stories are just on the outside, like it is with me.
1: Yeah, it's probably close because um, it was one of the dominant stories <laughs> in the summertime. I mean, just wild from the cell phone scandal of looking at photos, Boone Jenner's comments, the press release, the investigation, the social media heat. I mean, it was just wild, and he never got to get into camp and coach a game. It was, what was it, right before training camp that this all went down? So, or very early on? So, um, we'll never get to see what Mike Bobcock and Columbus really could have been and what that team could have been.
0: To be honest, it's kind of an ugly part of the year that I had blocked from my mind because I remember at the time when we were going through all of this, um, I've known Mike since 1993 with the Spokane Chiefs when I first started interviewing him and I was the voice of the PA Raiders and he has been absolutely nothing but top-notch to me ever since. And I had his former players. I'm telling you, man, as people forget that I'm a hockey person first. I had his former players, one of which is my cousin, write me and say, you want nothing to do with this guy. He's a horrible person. I'm like, what do you want me to do? He's been nothing but great to me. And then on the flip side, I've had players support Babs and say to me, he didn't say anything that wasn't true about Mike Commodore, about Mitch Marner, this and that. (laughs) I mean, overall, I don't think we know. Here's Here's what I took away from the Babcock story before we move on. The power of social media... And also Spit and Chicklets in podcasts. Because Mike Babcock would still be hosting, sorry, still be head coach of the Columbus Blue Jackets if Mike B, uh, Paul B. Biz Nasty from Ch- Spit and Chicklets, didn't blow the whistle on him. So the digital world in podcasts, that's how powerful they are. Uh, now, yes, Biz Nasty is on NHL on TNT. He's Wayne Gretzky's close friend. I understand all of that. But it was Spit and Chicklets that brought Mike Babcock down. Do you think that's the moral in this story or the, the underlying theme out of it all?
1: Yeah. I don't know about moral of the story. I think moral of the story is be a good person and nothing's, you should be okay, right? If you're, if you're doing everything good, you know, above the board, above board, but you know, you're right. It is a story that social media influence. Um, it was a real lesson in influence, social media and how much power podcasts and different personalities have that, that story came out from biz. And when he when he says something and those guys put something out, it carries a lot of weight, and it travels fast. That story traveled really fast.
0: Yeah, and it also told me the old-school hockey coaches don't have the power anymore, and it's, uh, I've, I'm done talking about this because it's only an honorable mention, okay? Mike Babcock hired and fired in Columbus, grand opening, grand closing. I know there's a lot of people watching right now saying, What's with that shirt, Rod? It's from a clothing brand here in Florida called Whole Life, Living the Whole Life. Mark Gundry owns and operates it. He's actually a football guy, but he put these shirts together. He knows I'm the Florida Panthers guy, and we have the Panthers podcast separate of this show. He's going to do some shirts in Panthers colors, put the RP show logo on it, Bob's your uncle, and I thank him for that. Bob's your so nothing. my fifth story of the year in the NHL... yeah, <laughs> My fifth story of the year in the NHL was Jay Woodcroft being fired as head coach of the Edmonton Orders. That was on November the 12th he was the first coach fired of the year now as we got closer to Christmas Craig Berube was fired I actually thought DJ Smith of the Ottawa Senators would be the second coach fired but it was Craig Berube in St. Louis which I think caught everybody off guard and then DJ Smith was fired just before Christmas on uh, December the 18th DJ Smith so but, but it starts with wait Woodcroft he started a domino if, if you will the number five story um I honestly thought it was too soon But let's be honest, the Oilers ripped off an eight-game winning streak since. Imperial Saskatchewan's Chris Knobloch's taken over. It was a surprise to me. How about you?
1: Yeah, I don't know if I was surprised by it because something had to give. That start to the season for the Oilers was so bad. I mean, they were down at the bottom with the San Jose Sharks as one of the worst teams in the National Hockey League. So you knew something had to give. We all knew that it wasn't the coach's fault. Uh, or we didn't think it was the coach's fault anyways, and they made the change and didn't get the immediate results that they wanted. It took a couple of games, but then they went on, what was it, an eight-game winning streak after that? So, you know, maybe some fresh bloods, a new voice did help a little bit, but it was a very tumultuous start to the year in Edmonton.
0: Yes, I'm moving on, and don't mind me. I'm gone to the big board here, Darren. It's number four, my story, is Alex Ovechkin chasing 99. It is a big story, and if you remember, when he passed Gordie Howe, and that's what I'm looking for right now, NHL all-time goals list, he did pass Gordie Howe. And do you remember when it was a little like Mark McGuire in the late 90s? I know you're old enough to remember that where CNN and all the national networks would cut away from their programming and put it on the pitches on Mark McGuire if the Cardinals were playing in a game when he was going after the home run record and Roger Maris. Um, They did that with Ovi, and he ended up surpassing Gordie Howe. And to be honest, it looked like he was only going to be... a matter of time. Here it is. Grusky's got the all-time record, 894 goals. Ovi now is number two, 827. And he has been stuck on that a long time and he's passed Gordie Howe with 801 Gordie Howe number three so basically the number four story is Alex Ovechkin passing Gordon Howe for number two all time it flips into will he ever catch Wayne but kudos to Alex he's had a hell of a career
1: hell of a career one of the best goal scorers of all time clearly I'm not saying making any sort of bold statement Um, but yeah, this season has been interesting because he broke it in 2023 last season and then comes into this year and really, while he's put up some points at times, hasn't scored really with any consistency at all. And it's really brought into question if he'll pass Wayne and it shows you just how fast that decline comes when athletes age. You go from good season, great season, great season, great season, the numbers drop really fast. It's not a gradual decline typically for most players. So curious to see what Alex does at the back half of the season.
0: I've found we need to speed it up and that's on me. It's my bad. We only got a few minutes left in this segment. Ted Nolan and Ryan Huskett coming up in our best of episode NHL interviews. Number three, Kyle Dubas out as GM of the Leafs. Two days later, he went to Pittsburgh as GM. Brad Tree living in as general manager of the Toronto Maple Leafs. You're the Leafs fan in the house, so how do you handle number three? I, I'll say, what's Kyle Dubas' legacy in Toronto?
1: Yeah, I, I don't know really what the legacy is, is. I think he brought the core together uh, or, you know, continued to develop that. Tavares comes over, um, a lot of skill, but weren't able to win anything. Got out of the first round of the playoffs, so I guess... That was the accomplishment. Um, optimistic about the moves Brad living made in the offseason with Bertuzzi, Reeves, and Domi coming over. John Klingberg uh, won't finish the season. He's out with an injury. So, I don't know. Not a lot's changed in Toronto, really.
0: No, I'm with you. Um, I guess largely good. I'm just not a Leafs fan. He, he probably will hang his hat on the fact that his team got them out of round one for the first time. And over a decade, however, he got fired <laughs> not that long after. So um, I guess it depends. If this, if this Leafs incarnation wins the Stanley Cup this year over the next couple, they can say it's the team that Duba's built. But I wouldn't hold my breath. Number two story of the year in the NHL, the Vegas Golden Knights winning the Stanley Cup. We'll couple that with the Florida Panthers making history on their run to the Stanley Cup final. But out of it all, out of it all, the story is the owner... Bill Foley of the Vegas Golden Knights. When he got that team, he stood on the stage that night and in Vegas and said he would have a Stanley Cup, his franchise, within six years. And in year six, he did it. And I'm sure all the other owners in the NHL are going, how do he do that? Why are the
1: gurus and the life coaches not using Bill Foley as an example for manifestation? It should be in every t- Tony maybe Robbins speech, Grant Cardone, all the rest of these guys. Uh, maybe they are. But, uh, you know, Vegas has had a lot of great years since starting the six years in the National Hockey League, culminating in a Stanley Cup win. They used great goaltending depth. their leaders were their leaders. Jack Eichel, a big part of that. Mark Stone. Uh, what a story. And then the Panthers story on the other side. It didn't look like they were going to make the playoffs. It, it took till game 82 and, and uh, uh, Chicago Blackhawks helping them out a little bit um, for them to get into the playoffs. And look what they did. Rode it all the way to the final.
0: Uh, indeed. And Florida is making history. Everybody talks about Boston really choking in round one. We can talk about Florida uh, pulling off the all-time biggest upset in Stanley Cup playoff history. was the largest point gap between two teams ever in a playoff series, which the Panthers won. Uh, Just a hell of a story, but this is my third winter down here covering the Panthers, and none of it surprises me. I've told you this all along. Tremendous culture, great people. That's what happens with teams like that. And the number one story... In the National Hockey League, and I'll have to say uh, this is of the RP show, maybe not the world, maybe not everybody would, would agree, NHL.com, but it's Connor Bedard going number one overall to the Chicago Blackhawks who won the draft lottery, and as much as the team sucks, um, they, I believe that they will be good in his time. There's no doubt. That's just the way that he is. How about you?
1: Yeah, I, I'm all for Connor Bedard being the number one story. I mean, he is... Um, recognized everywhere. ESPN has been all about Connor Bedard. Uh, the Sports Networks, TSN, Sportsnet here have been all about Connor Bedard. Um, and let's go all the way back to, I mean, he was the World Juniors at the start of 2023, lighting them on fire um, at the start of the year and finishes it off in the National Hockey League as the best rookie. Um, it's been a great year
0: wish i had more time uh, we'll kick it around uh, over the next couple of days but those are our top five stories ending with Connor bedard number one story in the nhl you're not going to get much argument with that when we come back right clark we're taking a break yeah we'll start with our best of interviews of the year former buffalo sabers head coach and nhl coach of the year ted nolan joins us next. We're on the Game Plus Television Network, WQEE Radio in Atlanta, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube Live.
2: Need a champion for your charity event? An all-star for your seminar? How about an Olympian to
0: give a winning keynote speech? EMJ Marketing is the place to go.
3: EMJ Marketing is one of Canada's top speaker bureaus, with some of Canada's most recognizable athletes and entertainers on their roster. EMJ also represents a wide range of impactful keynote speakers and MCs. So whether you need to fill a spot on stage or someone to arrange the entire event, do it with one stop. EMJ Marketing. Take the first step to success for your next event visit emjmarketing.com
0: welcome back everybody happy holidays from the rp show and it is our best of the year and this is our very first interview one of my favorites our very first of the best of interviews ted nolan won a memorial cup in the ohl moved up to the national hockey league won the nhl coach of the year trophy jack adams award in 1997 and then never was a head coach again lost his job that summer Uh, it's encapsulated in his new book, Life in Two Worlds. Ted Nolan, warrior of hockey, joined us to talk about his life and his new book. Well, I'm going to tell you our next guest I'm a longtime fan of. Can we bring him on the screen? Ted Nolan, an author now, Life in Two Worlds. We all know the... Listen, Ted, I only know the hockey Ted Nolan, and I should first say that Matthew Barnaby's a very good friend of mine. He loves you, so if you're a friend of his, I got to say you're a friend of mine. And I've been there wanting to chat with you for years. Well, thank you for the time, Ted. And I just want to say, what is up with you? What's going on in the life of Ted Nolan, the book and everything else?
2: Well, well first of all, Rod, thanks for having me on. Uh, you know, things have been uh, really good for the last uh, number of years. I, I hooked up with my, my son, Jordan, just left, uh, left the room here a while ago. Uh, you know, he played, he was lucky enough to win a couple of cups with LA and, uh, and Brandon, my youngest boy, my oldest boy, he played with Carolina for a little bit. So together we, we created a, a three Nolans uh, hockey program. And what we go into a lot of remote First Nation communities here in Canada, uh, kind of like your Native Americans in the States. But uh, we go into a lot of uh, uh, underprivileged uh, communities and, and do some schools with them and, and other, other places also. So it's, it's been a lot of fun.
0: I love it! I love it! I love it! What's the number one sport in those First Nation communities? Because I know there's a lot of lacrosse players coming out of there. Uh, is hockey
2: rival lacrosse for, or is hockey number one? Well, in, in Southern Ontario, uh, lacrosse I think it's a little bit ahead of uh, a little bit ahead of hockey, but uh, not not too much. But hockey's a it's prevalent sport in here. You know, one of my uh, childhood uh, uh, best places to play. we, we created this little NHL. League. It was called the Little Native Hockey League, and it was created in, uh, in the early 70s and I was on, uh, on one of the first uh, teams to ever participate. And, and the reason for it, because a lot of our uh, players like myself went into cities to, to try to play on, on teams, but for whatever reason, we weren't able to, to play and, and get that experience of traveling with the team, staying in a hotel. So what our elders did at the time is they created this little NHL tournament. And uh, so that was, uh, brings back a lot of, but hockey is a huge, huge sport in our, in our First Nation communities.
0: What are you teaching most, uh, hockey skills, life skills, or a combo of both?
2: Well, you know, the the hockey is the trick to get them there uh, because they all love hockey. But uh, once we get them there, we we really talk about the importance of, of education the importance of, uh, of believing in yourself and, and achieving goals. It doesn't matter where you're from and how much money you have. It's, the, it's that will and desire inside that's gonna dictate who you, and just a strong belief in who you are. And I'm not too sure if you heard too much about the uh, residential school, uh, situation that that happens here in canada but it's really really big so a lot of uh, trauma from the, from the past it's kind of generational trauma that's been passed down so to go in and, and have a little shed of light to to bring in uh a little little bit of hope so when when they see a, a person like me who's lived the exact same Uh, environment that they did Uh, maybe maybe it'll be an inspire inspiration then all of a sudden you you see my two sons and others uh doing doing some magical things so it's just a a way to give back and and to inspire
0: i'll tell our producers in atlanta and toronto boys this interview might go a little long i won't keep it too long ted but i got so much to say i'm a licensed mental health and addiction recovery coach so i know that dna is uh, holds trauma in it and the First Nations community is number one in that. So trust me, I know that. So I guess my next thing for you is I think of you as an overcomer. Longtime junior hockey guy here. And I worked in the CFL too. But I look at your resume, Memorial Cup winning coach and uh, coach in the National Hockey League, played in the Nas- National Hockey League. You are an overcomer. When did you realize that you were overcoming all these things? Because I'm guessing in life you were just doing it. You didn't realize you were knocking these barriers
2: over. Or maybe you did yeah you know Rod, I'm glad you brought up mental health because a lot of the the situation I was born I was born into a large family a family of six sisters and five brothers and and times were kind of lean at the time but the one uh, one thing that I really enjoyed doing uh, to get away from all the chaos once in a while was was to play hockey. I made my own rink in my backyard uh learned how to skate on skates that were size uh, eight, my feet were size probably three or whatever. But anyway, I, I just fell in love with the sport and it just kind of took me away from everything. And, and the more and more I played it, the uh, the better I, I got and, and uh, had better opportunities. I, I went out, tried up with the Sault Ste. Marie Greyhounds when I was seven to 16 years old. And uh, uh, next year, you know, Playing alongside with Wayne Gretzky on that same team, so the the more you see, the more opportunities it just uh, created. And then, uh, but coaching is one of those things that I never really. Uh, planned on doing, it just kind of fell in my lap. I was so tired of of the sport when I when I did retire when I was 26 years of age for the because of a back injury. I was just so tired of uh, of you know fighting all the time, trying to you know overcoming some of the the name calling and you know, especially with the how how the situation ended up in Buffalo it was just uh, it was just god awful. So to but to to get into involved with coaching after my playing career was was a blessing.
0: Yeah, well, you're skimming the top of it. And I want to say this. I worked in the Western Hockey League for 20 years. There is not, I have never found a guy that would say a bad word about Ted Nolan. Like that Buffalo thing, I don't know what happened. Barney doesn't even really seem to know what happened. Barney, people love you, Ted. (laughs) I don't know what happened. You know, but have you realized at some point everything happens for a reason? Have you reconciled that or not?
2: No, no question. Like I said, I think we all go through certain things, too. And, you know, uh, even this book, I mean, I never, I never chose to, to write a book. I, I wanted to bury what happened in, in the past and, and, and um, you know, not having answers to, to what happened myself. So, But uh, I did an interview a couple of years ago, and I did it on Truth and Reconciliation. And uh, halfway through the interview, I just got so emotional. Like the emotion just kind of poured out of me and it, and it kind of flashed back when I was a kid going through what I went through and then junior hockey going through and minor pro and then and all of a sudden in, in Buffalo and all those things just kind of, kind of flooded out. And, and then uh, someone from uh, Penguin Books saw the interview, thought it would be an interesting, uh, interesting story to tell. And, and I was sure glad they, they reached out because it, it's more than just a poor boy makes good story. It's, a, it's about uh, acceptance, about understanding of, of different, uh, different races, who we are and, and, and where we come from. Because, you know, everybody just assumes that, that they know about people, but they, they really don't. Was it cathartic for you, therapeutic, in a way to do this? It, it was very very therapeutic because you know we, we start off the book by me kicking the, the the Jack Adams trophy downstairs and you hear the metallic sound and bird room. but you know at the time I, I was in a very dark place I was, I was very I was frustrated I was angry I didn't know how to how to how to release some of the anger because I, I never talked to a, a mental health uh, specialist before and going through you know the reasons they let me go in Buffalo and people started believing all this stuff you know I, I was drunk at practice I, I got the general manager fired i mean i was only 20 30 something years old how am i going to do it i'm a second year coach <laughs> you know uh, you know th- those type of things just uh, it really good. and i turned down a three-year contract and so i i just held all this stuff in and i knowing it's All untrue. So when they they wrote me, so it was a great therapeutic thing to release and say, no, I didn't uh, turn down a three year contract. No, I didn't get the general manager fired. No, I didn't uh, show up to practice drunk. So it was just very therapeutic. And and that one probably hurt the most. Rod is is the drunk at practice because you know it's kind of derogatory against our people that were were drinkers. And and uh, my mother was was tragically killed by a drunk driver when I was only twenty twenty one years of age. so I, I spoke out against uh, uh, drinking and drunk driving and all that stuff. So to hear that comment, that's, that's one that probably hurt the most. Uh, I don't know why people say these things. And uh,
0: we have no control over them, obviously, but they do so much damage. And, you know, you asked if I knew about the residential school thing. I knew about the Cowessess, which is 40 miles outside of Regina. But when the Kamloops came up, I was golfing the next day with Chief Edmund Belgard, and he was on the tee. And I turned and I said, "Edmund, did you know?" And He looked at me. He goes, "I knew."
2: They knew. <laughs> you know what I mean? Did you know? About oh, we it, we knew stuff. We we knew yeah. about it. Uh, so, so You know, that's that's why you know. Even to this day, I'm very sad. Uh, I don't speak our language fluently. I, I know enough to get by, but uh, our parents didn't want to teach us the language because they didn't want what happened to the kids who spoke the language, what happened to them. You know, we've heard so many horrific stories what happened at the residential schools. So they really took a back seat on, on, on really trying to protect us. And uh, so that, that still hurts. But, you know, just some of the stories that we heard over and over again, are our whole lives. And then finally, when the, when the truth started coming out, now the, rest of the, now the rest of the world is really starting to realize what happened at these institutions. You can't even call them schools. But whatever happened to them, I, I went to a day school. And the day school was, was probably just as bad, but we got to come home at nighttime.
0: Uh, Well, I've done extensive work with the First Nations Community in Mental Health and Addiction Recovery. So, yeah, uh, you get my number, please, Ted, from your PR person or our producer. And if you need anything, you let me know. And I cannot wait to get my hands on this book. I mean it, man. I can't find anybody that would say a bad word about you, Ted. So I hope things are good, and I really appreciate uh, the time today.
2: Oh, Rod, right, right now, it's probably the best I've ever felt my entire life, as far as mentally, and just getting over it and, and, and speaking to some people from the mental health, it, it's a, it's a real tough situation to go through. But the bottom line, when I, when, I, when I put that pair of skates on, the only thing I want to do is just play. And when I, when I started coaching, the only thing I want to do was, was coach. And, you know, if they said I wasn't a very good player, that's fine. If they said I wasn't a very good coach, that's fine. But when you start making up situations to get rid of somebody, that that's wrong. Yeah, well...
0: You look great, but you always look great, Ted. You know that. Thanks again, and keep in touch. Thanks, Rod. Are you struggling in life, perhaps feeling hopeless? or email Peterson Recovery at aol.com. It's never too late. Our P-Show continues. Best of the year. Happy holidays, everybody. And hour one for the hockey fans. Isn't this a treat for you? We've done our NHL Top 5 Stories of the Year. You just heard from Ted Nolan. And now... How about our good and longtime friend Ryan Huska? One thing I love is the ties through hockey, and Ryan and I have been friends for a long time. Uh, yes, this is his rookie head season as the head coach of the Calgary Flames, but he's the only guy in the world that's won four Memorial Cups three as a player with the Kamloops Blazers, and one as a head coach with the Kelowna Rockets, or at least on that staff with Kelowna. We sorted it all out with Husk when he joined us down at Century Downs in Calgary in August. We're so pleased that Ryan Husk would find the time to join us down here, the new head coach of the Calgary Flames and Husk. Welcome to the show. I got a nice welcome here, it looked like, when you walked in. Very nice. Thank you for having me, Rod. How has your life changed since becoming the head coach of the Calgary Flames?
3: (sighs) Not too much. Honestly. Is that right? Oh, the people here are great. I, I think there's times where you go out now where you get recognized a little bit more, for better or worse. <laughs> um, but it, not much. I mean, it, that's one of the great things about Calgary. Um, they're a very passionate fan base. Um, they really love their team, um, but they also have a tremendous amount of respect for people's privacy and their and their and their own time. And um, I, I found that really cool about the city. But other than Um, maybe putting a little bit more work in the preparation side of things. There's not a ton that's changed as of yet. Well, I'll tell
0: you what, the interesting thing for me, I've been around here, you asked how long we've been here. It's been two years that I've been doing the show out of Calgary. and And I went to college here at Mount Royal, so I know the people very well. But a lot said to me, Ryan Huska. Who's Ryan Huska? I'm like, how do you not know who Ryan Huska is? You've been here since 2014 with the organization. yes. And you're a Calgary guy. See you go to the Stamps Games. Your kids are involved. Like, you love the city. Love it.
3: Yeah. Um, And I talk often about um, this has been my favorite spot to be by far. Um, There's a lot of great things about it. It's a big city, but it's got the small city feel. And I think as someone that's had a young family that was able to grow up here, I, I don't think there's a lot of cities around North America or NHL cities that match Calgary and what it has to offer. So it's it's a tremendous place to be.
0: Well, it's a perfect fit. And before I talk about the task in front of you, this has just been gnawing at me. Your hockey DB says you're from Cranbrook. Are you like yeah. a Steve Eiserman born there but yeah. left five days in? Or are you a cranny guy?
3: No, I'm a Steve Eiserman guy. Oh, you are? So okay. my, I think I was four years old. My dad got transferred. He was an RCMP member. And he got transferred to Trail. So I always say my hometown is Trail, BC. Okay. So that's where I grew up until I left to play hockey in Kamloops.
0: Okay, so not too
3: far away then. Yeah. No, we're close. Kootenay kid. Yeah, exactly.
0: So now I've you know been watching this Flames thing, and you've always been not a under-the-radar guy, uh, but a quiet guy, if I'm fair mm-hmm. in saying that. I mean, and we were with the Team Canada 2012 World Juniors. Mm-hmm. But when you were introduced as head coach of the Flames, you just let you let it rock in terms of your personality. Yeah. You know,
3: and I thought that was awesome. Well, thank you. <laughs> uh, I think for, for me in this position, because I didn't have the background um, that a lot of other head coaches would maybe have, whether it's a playing career or a lengthy coaching career, um, I had to work my way up through a lot of different channels and I knew that was going to be part of my process um, to get eventually to this point. So. Um I had to do a lot of learning along the way. I had to do a lot of listening along the way. And I think at times maybe that's why I would come across a little quieter and behind the scenes as maybe some other guys. But I felt like that was part of my development and who I was and how I had to get myself to the point where I could be considered for head coaching jobs. Sure, but you were saying some funny things and I listened to all the
0: interviews. I'm like, Ryan's funnier than I thought (laughs) too. That's what I say about letting your uh, personality out. Yeah, But your story about colin patterson and when you came through as a kid with your minor
3: hockey team would you relate that here that kind of told the world how important this job is to you yeah absolutely well i think that's the western canada thing i grew up in bc um and we spent summers here in calgary my uncle used to live here um so we would come every summer i would go to callaway park um very familiar with the city the zoo everything that young kids families did we would do in calgary so we're very familiar with the city and as a young hockey player, when I had that opportunity um, to have breakfast with those two guys, um, Joel and Colin, I thought it was the coolest thing ever. And how did that come about that you got to have Our team won a contest in Trail. I don't know okay. how we did it. I can't even remember what the contest was, but our, our coach and general manager signed us up for something. And we obviously had to either sell something or do something. Right. But we won. And we got an opportunity to have breakfast with two members of the Calgary Flames at the time, which for small town boys was the coolest thing going and it's something that i've never forgotten and it's always been a reminder for me that no matter where you are in life or how you end up you always give back and the flames alumni in calgary are probably second to none i would say for the amount of things they do and how they put themselves out there for their communities it's pretty awesome
0: not just nhl but pro sport those boys are going every day all I the time i can't believe what they do so then to return and be the head coach of the flames with that
3: what were you twelve when you had breakfast? Did you say Pee Wee? Adam, so uh, I think even it's younger, like nine or ten, whatever that would be.
0: Right. So just a huge honor, and I, I know you're a humble guy. So I won't. We, we all know how big of a job it is, and how proud he is to have it. But then, as you know, I'm friends with a lot of the organization. They said the players really wanted you in there. They went to bat for you. That's got to mean a lot.
3: It well, it does. And I, uh, I think leading up to it, there was so much unknown, and there was a lot of gray. And I would get texts from some of the players and um they would kind of make their support known for me and and sometimes when you're not really sure the direction is the way things are going to go or how you want to present yourself or how you want to put forward when you get comments from your players that they really hope it works out for you um, those are things you don't forget either and Michael Backlund was one guy that I did a lot of talking with back and forth and um, I knew I had his support and he was in my corner which when you have a guy that's been your longest tenured guy around he's seen a lot of different head coaches he's um, unfortunately, had to deal with too many head coaches. Uh, it was something that was special to me, and I appreciated it. and And I made him um, know that. And um, I, I think it just gives you the confidence that, hey, I'm I am ready for this job, and this is the time for me, and we're going to make things work here. He's one of the few that would predate you, yeah. in this outfit, <laughs> yeah, right. Well, it's a funny story with him. Like Bruce Hamilton took him in Kelowna in the in the European draft, and he didn't come over to start the year. And it was kind of the year we were we were building to win a Memorial Cup, and we were really hopeful that we could convince him to come and play for our team. Didn't happen. But World Junior time came that year, and there was a little bit of rumblings that he might want to stay, but um, he needed to get himself out of his contract um, back in Sweden. So Daryl Sutter at the time was the GM of the Flames, signed him, played him that game. He made a little bit of money uh, enough money to get himself out of his contract um, and then he was sent to us in colonna so i got to spend uh, a few months at least with him um, and get to know him as a young 19 year old to see what he was all about so it was a pretty cool story how everything kind of comes full circle
0: it's the way it's supposed to go yeah. and uh, yeah. you know you hope you end up in, in a great place and you are and but Looking back, we're both Dub guys. We're both Dub junkies, if you will. Yep. Best league, best Absolutely. junior league on the planet. And so, Cologne and Kamloops are very special to you. And I got to ask you about, you know, the synergies with Jerome McGinley coming on board here. You've known him longer than anybody else around here's known him. Yeah, talk about that relationship, if you don't mind.
3: Uh, we have a good relationship, and 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 it keeps the full circle thing keeps coming. Like I played one game in the NHL. And who was it against? It was against Jerome McGinley and the Calgary Flames. Um, so there's a lot of there's a lot of cool things that kind of, I don't know, feel like they lead you to a certain point in your life. And, and this is one for me. But Jerome and I were roommates for one year. It was Nolan Baumgartner, myself, and Jerome were roommates for his first year in Kamloops. As a 16-year-old, he came in. Um, so we have a pretty good relationship for sure. And you stay in touch along the way. And it was really neat to see how involved he was right away and how into it he is Um, and the conversations that you have with him about our prospects our players the direction he thinks the team should go um he's in it uh and i find that's the coolest thing so as much as he may spend a lot of his time in Kelowna this year still with his team at the rink there um he's fully in and i think craig's gonna enjoy having him around he's a sounding um a sounding box for him to to bounce ideas off of at times and with the experience jerome has he, he's wanted all sorts of different levels um he understands the game in a in a different way than maybe someone else might because of the level that he was able to achieve or attain as a player. So he's a huge asset for our team and, and just someone I, I think that's going to help make our team and our, our organization much better.
0: What do you think made him want to get into it in
3: this capacity now one I think Connie Um, if if Connie wasn't the general manager I'm not sure it it might have been a harder sell for him to come back Um, but he's got a great relationship with Craig they were line mates for a lot of years um and I think they have that type of relationship where they can say, no, you're an idiot or yes, I agree with you. I'm or no, I'm not doing that, but I think they respect each other enough to know that they both have the flames best interest at heart. And I think that's, what's so important. So those two guys having a great working relationship is going to be real important. And then having myself and Jerome have a bit of a connection. It's easy for me to go to him and say, Hey, what are you seeing with the way our team's playing? And I know the feedback that I get from him is going to come from the right spot. Right. Yeah. Um, uh, I
0: promise the audience, I'll get to your questions in a second. I've got a million here, and we don't have Ryan for too long, but I just, you're a bright guy. I'm sure you've realized that you're in a great spot in that you're not taking over a terrible team. Most no. first time NHL coaches are taking over a bad team yeah that's how they got the job that's not the case for you
3: no not at all And, and that's another reason why I feel really privileged to have this opportunity and we went at it right from day one that we're returning all of our players now the only one that isn't in that group anymore is Tyler Toffoli who's been moved on prior to the draft but Our expectation, and it still is, is that we're returning everybody. And then over the course of the season, um, I truly believe that the guys that we're doing a lot of talking about are going to resign with us. Um, And that's my belief, and that's my optimistic look on the way things are. And I feel it's a really good thing because we're going to have a bunch of motivated players coming in. One, because a lot of guys... oftentimes in contract years they want to set themselves up for a a nice payday at the end of it and number two we have a lot of guys that weren't happy with the way things went last year so there is a bit of a chip on the shoulder and I really enjoy the conversations that I've had over the summer with our players because they're edgy and I feel like they're ready to come back and they're ready to if you want to call it make amends for last year. It's a good group, isn't it? Uh, they kind of get banged on unfairly. I yeah, think they are a good group and yeah. good people. Uh, and and oftentimes when you have a bunch of guys that um, you know want to be around each other, they enjoy each other's company. Not happy with the way things went together, and and want to they want to make it better. Um, I think you're going to see some pretty good things from this team this year. Okay, as promised, some
0: questions. Well, first, let me just say it. my last question. Did it come up at the news conference, because I didn't
3: see it all about a captain? Yeah. It did? It, it did. What are you going to do? Uh, we'll have a captain this year. I mean, You know, this, know who it this is? is a, I, there's a there's a number of people that we have in mind and we've thrown around a lot. There's a lot that comes into it. There really is, and it's the relationship that you have with the player. That's first and foremost. Um, is that player willing to step out from the crowd at times and, and make the uncomfortable decisions and maybe say some of the uncomfortable things that have to be said? Um, But is the commitment there on a daily basis too is is important. So we have to find a guy that's that's kind of all in as well. So um, we hope to have something done sooner than later. That doesn't necessarily mean it's before camp. It doesn't necessarily mean it's um, during the exhibition season. But we'd like to have something and someone in place sooner than later.
0: Forgive me for asking, but yeah. will this be coach appointed or a team vote, or is that yeah. a
3: bantam hockey thing and you don't do that in the US? You yeah, know, we're going to, as a staff, it's something that we'll do, including all of our management team as well. Okay. So that's, it's a, such a big decision for an organization. You want to have the right person that's going to represent you, your franchise, and help bring the team along. So uh, there's a lot of weight that goes onto this person's shoulder, so it's not a job that someone can take lightly. So the aforementioned Glenn in Medicine Hat. Yeah. He says, hey, Ryan,
0: can you recall what it looked like from the bench in Kelowna when Michael Stone hit Michael Backlund in the <laughs> 2009 WHL Championship game? They became teammates with the Flames.
3: That was the hardest hit I still think I've ever seen. Um, and the one thing, quick little thing about that story, Jamie Benn... Um, you know, I could probably say it right now, he, he was injured at the time, and he just came back from an injury. And I would go up to him before he played that game and say, Jamie, are you sure you're good to play here? And, he's, and the way Jamie Ben is, he was like, yep, good to play, no problem. And then he would skate away from you. So he didn't want you to spend too much time with him. Um, and he you, you almost had a feeling that maybe he wasn't quite right yet. Um, but that hit happened. Um, Michael's helmet went flying off, and the first person in to challenge Stoney was Jamie Ben. Um so that's the type of team that we had. Thankfully when Bax got to the bench he was just winded, but it was one of the hardest hits I've ever seen. Wow. And finding the footage of that hit, it kinda makes you ooh, it cringe when you, you see felt it happen. It. Oh yeah. it was one of the bigger hits for sure and probably the hardest hit that Bax has ever taken.
0: Rich in Edmonton says, I was told by Ottawa sports guy, AJ Jakubik, that you won't find a better guy in hockey than Ryan Huskiss, so I believe it, and I'm an Oilers fan, so not easy to say about a Flames coach. Well, that's nice. You would know AJ We got another,
3: another BC guy, too. Yeah, that's, that's right. where I know him from, so there's a connection along the way, for sure. He's done a very good job, and it's nice to see he's, he's still continuing to do well. Monty in Saskatoon wants to know, when does training camp start in Calgary? Yeah, our young guys are the 13th of September. Um, We go through the prospects camp in Penticton, so they play the Oilers, um, the Canucks, and the Jets. It's a great tournament that they put on. Penticton does a fantastic job. And then our, our players here are testing on the 20th, and then we're on the ice on the 21st, and then it's off to the races from that point.
0: Uh, Roger in Calgary says Ryan can we see a fourth line speed slash rookie line versus a traditional checking line have
3: you got a yeah Yeah. I I mean I I don't necessarily think that is the line that's going to be made up of all younger players but what I do envision is having the younger players sprinkled throughout if they're ready for it I think that's something that's important but when you look at today's NHL and this is a great question um, a lot of the fourth lines that you see nowadays are guys that are they're they're not your prototypical tough guys that they used to be years ago Um, they're guys that are edgy and they're hard to play against but they can all skate and that's one thing that um, we'll try to do is 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 put together a line that nobody likes to play against because they're always in your face. Whether that's younger guys, older guys, um, it, that doesn't really matter to me. It doesn't really matter where a player falls. But an example of a guy who I could see fit in that role is Walker Duke. I was just going to say this. He's, love that kid. He's very, First
0: ever South Dakota in an NHL amazing, history, right? I love it.
3: <laughs> Stories like that are awesome. Yeah. But he really skates. Um, also has the opportunity to be bounced up the lineup a little bit so he's one of those guys that um over the course of the summer you're really hoping comes in and really grabs a spot so i want to say you're pushing for him for sure like the rest of our players i am um but you want them to come in and say i this is my time i'm not being sent somewhere else this year i heard he's got
0: far more sway in your room than a guy his age should yeah that the guys love him that much
3: and I think with Walker, maybe the way you describe me a little bit, um, he, he's, he's like that. he's very quiet. He doesn't say an awful lot. He doesn't ruffle feathers. He comes to work every day. Um, and then as he spends more time, you start to see a little bit of his personality come out. So I have a lot of time beauty for, for sure.
0: It's our best of 2023 edition of the RP Show, everybody. We do it every year, and uh, it's always a lot of fun. We live in a world where my brother calls it a 24-hour world. We don't think about the past. We don't look ahead too far. We just think about the last 24 hours. So that's why these shows are great, and uh, I hope you've enjoyed our... Hockey Hour 1 in our interviews with Ted Nolan. His brand-new book is out, Life in Two Worlds. It's available wherever the best books are sold. And, of course, you just heard from Ryan Huska, who I'm really, really, really hoping will turn it around with the Calgary Flames because he's a great guy. And I'll be honest with you. If he can't, I don't know who can. Uh, And, by the way, we opened the hour with our top five NHL stories of the year. And if you missed right off the top, I want to recap those. I got to thank... A viewer who chimed in with what I'm going to go with an honorable mention. I think it was Randy in Winnipeg. No, it was the Barflies account in Winnipeg who said, Mike Babcock, Columbus has to be in the top five stories of the year. Well, I already had my top five and Babs wasn't in it because it wasn't an ugly. Sorry, it was not a happy story. It's an ugly story. Mike Babcock. Hired as head coach of the Columbus Blue Jackets. The news broke in June. It was officially announced July 1st. And then coming out of training camp, he never ended up coaching a game. Just an, I, Listen, it was an embarrassing situation for really all involved. Uh, so I will put that up as an honorable mention story of the year in the NHL. Number five, Jay Woodcroft being fired as the head coach of the Edmonton Otters. Whether it was knee-jerk and too soon or not, I'm not sure we know the answer to that as we sit here Today. Uh, he leaves as the all-time winningest coach in order's history for winning percentage. So how about that? In a minimum of two seasons. Number four, Alex Ovechkin chasing number 99, Wayne Gretzky. The fourth story of the year in the NHL is Ovi surpassing Gordon Howe with 801 goals. Gordy had it. Ovi sits at number two with 827 goals. Gretzky, number one, 894. Our number three story revolves around the Toronto Maple Leafs, of course, because we air on a Toronto television station, Game Plus, or at least anchored out of there. Kyle Dubas fired. Brad Living replaces him as general manager of the Toronto Maple Leafs. Number two, the Vegas Golden Knights winning the Stanley Cup in year six, fulfilling the vision that was set forth by their owner, Bill Foley, coupled with the Florida Panthers' magical run to the Stanley Cup final. And the number one story in the NHL this year, Connor Bedard going number one overall to the Chicago Blackhawks. And- Uh, We could have done a few days shows on all of these topics like those saying the Blackhawks are a garbage organization. He deserves better or they feel sorry for him that they're such a bad team. It doesn't work that way, folks. I encourage you to get over it. Coming up next hour, more best of interviews in our CFL year top five. Coming up after this brief pause on Game Plus and Key Radio.